welcome to the Front Porch Political Talk Show with your host, Hatton Humphrey, bringing you thoughtful comments on the news of the day, as well as lessons from the past and insights into things to come. We offer our comments and invite you to add your own. Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday, September 4th, 2016. This is the Front Porch Political Talk Show. My name is Hatton Humphrey, and I thank everybody for listening in. Our show is produced through TalkShoe, which on Sunday nights at 9 p.m., you can join us live by going to TalkShoe.com slash TC slash 75570. You can also dial in and have your voice heard at, at uh, 724-444-7444. The TalkCast ID is 75570. Again, that line is only open between 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, if you're listening to us in Second Life, you can have your voice heard during the recording session by joining us at Shores Lounge at the uh, Second Life Cheerleader Squad. If you're listening to us on Red State Talk Radio, Stitcher.com, I iTunes, your favorite podcast player, or now the lanterns.buzz feed. Uh, you can email comments to conservativepodcast at gmail.com, or you can join us on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash front porch political talk. Now, for those that have never listened to the show before, especially our friends over at Lanterns, the uh, Lanterns Radio Network, um, starting up and uh, going live uh, Mondays at 9 a.m., and I believe some other day at 2 a.m., um, we are a different kind of talk show. We have fun. We like to laugh. Um, but we talk about a lot of different political things. Our website at frontporchtalk.net will have links to all of the articles that we talk about, as well as past episodes. This is episode number 78. And I have to say this with the right inflection here. Some hero. We're looking at people that tend to be looked upon by others, specifically those that are that are hard and married to the figures and representatives of their uh, political uh, group of choice, looking at some of the things that they've said and just kind of scratching our heads in most cases. And we always open with a fun story, a, f a funny story, an interesting article. A and tonight it's Blame Canada Week as we celebrate the Labor Day weekend. Um, and NPR asked the question, can a Canadian prime minister be an action hero? Well, apparently Marvel Comics thinks so. Um, Justin Trudeau, uh, last seen emerging from a cave shirtless, has a number of careers. He's a school teacher, a snowboard instructor, and since last year, Prime Minister of Canada. Now he's an action hero. A new issue of Civil War II from Marvel Comics being released August 31st has Trudeau facing evildoers in the halls of Can Canada's Parliament and in the boxing ring. <laughs> you can't make this up. The front cover shows Trudeau sitting in the corner of a boxing ring, elbows resting on the ropes. He's wearing boxer shorts, a tank top, and blazing with a large maple leaf and a smile that's a bit difficult to read. Um, <laughs> I, I guess... There's, there, there, there's, there's two things to take note of here. Mm -hmm. no, number one, NPR will do anything they can to laud people like the Prime Minister of Canada. Because he's a liberal, and he's anti-defense, and he's decided not to buy the F-35, and all of this really good stuff that real true liberals do. Mm -hmm. That's note one. That's note one. Mm -hmm. So 
they're flogging themselves because he they have made a hero out of the prime minister of canada well, so did the other thing the other yeah the other thing you have to take note of it's a comic book mm-hmm. i mean if 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 a guy getting into a comic book is his great achievement for the year he's not somebody we want to worry about uh, I live closer to the border than you do. You ought to, they 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 have they have fun with with their um, runway model of a prime minister. <laughs> I know they, they do, but they I, really you know it, it's it's hard to take somebody seriously who is a hero in a comic book. Yeah, this is true, especially <laughs> you know with, with his prime previous career as a snowboard instructor. I mean. That's that's far worse than being an actor and then becoming the governor of California. Yeah. It's far worse than being a ten billion dollar year businessman. I mean, it's worse than than even being a, a a neighborhood organizer in Chicago. The guy was a snowboard instructor. Yeah, but he's no, a no, moron. No, no. I, I will I will argue with you on your last comparison because okay. okay, snowboard instructor or not, he had to get up early. He had to deal with unruly clients. He had to work in extreme conditions, and he had to work rather than walking around just agitating people. And he was providing something that the market was calling for. Yes. So so the other ones, I, I will kind of agree with you, but not on the last. Community organizing, right. in my mind, is, is, is a profession... While it, while some may consider it a high calling, it's still a profession uh, uh, less um, less civ- yeah. less involved in the operation uh, in the in the day to day life of a normal person than, than snowboard instructor. Than snowboard snowboard instructor. instructor. Yes. Okay, I, I, I concede. <laughs> I think we as Americans are underestimating the value of Canada to us. Can if Canada was not there. That America would be a lot colder because America, because Canada is America's hat. We'd be a lot closer to Russia. Well, that too, but Canada is America's hat. And if the Marvel oh. Universe would like to um, court, see, here's here's the thing, though. Um, if you ever look at a at a map of where the population centers of Canada really are, most of them are along the Canadian U.S. border. Because they're suburbs, they're suburbs of the United States. Because as you go further north, it gets more and more cold for longer and longer periods of time. You know, and, and I would add, and I'd add more and more indigenous. Well, you think of yes. it like this: if you, if you wear a hat, the top of the hat is is further away from the top of your head, but the top of the hat keeps the cold air out. Yeah, I, I would. I would. Like that. You're I would, really stretching. Yeah, I would. I would stop. I would stop while you're ahead. That's kind of like. That's kind of like saying the Gulf of Mexico is Louisiana's armpit, and it's there to keep all the moisture away. That's Louisiana's pond, baby. Our pond. <laughs> we go fishing there on Tuesdays. No, in Mexico, Louisiana has a pond. You need a different body of water name. <laughs> hey, be quiet. Uh. <laughs> We're 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 having we're having way too much fun already. Oh, so 
Steve so the Water. image, the image of the of the forty four year old Trudeau is one of two covers Mar- Marvel Comics is using for the, its latest edition. The company will often produce a regular issue and one with a variant cover, which is usually in greater demand by collectors. The storyline remains the same. The issue with the, with Trudeau on the cover, the variant, features a Canadian superhero called Alpha Fight. Superhero squad called Alpha Fight with members who have access to information about crimes in the future. The main cover only shows mem- members of the Alpha Fight squad. Yeah, um, it's it's, it's kind of like yeah, it's a comic. They make book. money. They make money writing untrue stuff and drawing pictures of it. Yeah. So I mean, okay, it fulfilled its duty as. An Absolutely. opening article yes, it did. On, on, on front porch talk, but now let's be done with it. Okay, so so we were talking about absurd heroes. Let's talk about one that served in Vietnam. Uh, John Kerry was talking about, um, well, I'll just say this. Uh, John Kerry was talking to... Um, uh, was talking about the media and said it's harder today to rely on consensus around an issue than it used to be. When I was growing up in America, we only had three major, four major television stations in the United States. So when I was a college student, the president of the United States, somebody from the press would office would call the media, one or two networks, and say, the president wants to talk to the nation tonight. He said, he said they'd block out a half hour, and that was it. Everybody watched it. He said the next day everyone would be talking about what the pe- president said. But today, Kerry said everyone can pick and, pick and choose their own way to get news, which he said makes it harder to find common ground. And he's right. I mean, when I was a kid, Walter Cronkite called the shots. There were some other networks and some other guys talking, but the only guy who counted was Walter Cronkite. And he was in the president's, the Democrats' pants. And, you know, whatever he said, it, we swallowed it because he said it with such conviction and sincerity. And how it did, turned out later, in, and, in and, retrospect, he was a freaking communist. And, and, but and how, did, mind, how did he, he close the world? How did he close his broadcast? And that's the way it is. That's the way it is. I, I forgot that, frankly. Uh, what, what has the liberals, the left, so riled up is there are now probably a dozen people out there who have that power that Cronkite and then following him Dan Rather had, mm-hmm. and, and and the majority of them are not liberal. Rush Limbaugh has as a greater hold on the American thought machine than Walter Cronkite had, and it drives them crazy. So, you know, I I don't care very much about Kerry. Uh, it, but he has a point. Freedom of information arrived in the United States with the advent of the Internet and talk radio and all this other stuff. And and that's the difference. And he's furious about it, but he's correct. Yeah, and, and that's, I, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I, I would say, though, there is, is a hell of a lot more than a dozen people with that kind of... There are thousands, I'm sure, once you can take into consideration the Internet. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But most of them are, are just voices in the wind. Um, I, you know, you can pick any yeah, number you want. But you but, also, but, there, there's a kind of uh, unpredictability to it. Uh, yeah, most of the time, most of them are voices in the wind, but every now and then 
you'll get one that that lights a spark, and it that is it's it's completely unpredictable, and but and ungovernable, and the, exactly, and I love it. Yes, you know, and that's uh, and he hate, and he hates it. That's the whole point. Yeah. He hates it. He he wants to go back to the day when the president, with a wave of his pen or some weenie in the White House, could completely dominate with one phone call all of the news available to all of America for a specified period of time. And the only way you could avoid it was by turning off the TV. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and if you had a rogue editor somewhere on a newspaper, which was the only alternative, I mean, that some, some guy in Poughkeepsie had a very limited audience. He couldn't uh, summon the attention of all of America. Rush Limbaugh can. Uh, other people can. Uh, as as Toa says, sometimes somebody takes off on the Internet, and for some period of time, he's got all, the attention of all of America. Uh, you know, the, the, the famous 15 minutes of fame. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it flashes a dozen times a day on the Internet. You get your 15 minutes, and everybody briefly is listening to your thoughts on whatever it is that's bothering you. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look at our show, look at look at the stations we're on. I mean, with with Red State Talk Radio and now Lanterns Lanterns Buzz, you know, we've got, you know, there's there there's more ears than we'll ever know that listen to either the live recording or to the recorded session. I mean, I still get we still get people downloading episodes of East Coast Conservative Podcast from when we started back in 2007. You know, Good point. You know, so it, that is that is the beauty of the internet is that you know what what we put it, into the microphones it, here is going to be heard by somebody, and if it's compelling enough, um, and and reaches the it, touches it, the right strength. It used it used to be illegal to have a recording of Walter Cronkite and replay it because it was copyrighted. Right. Well, so in you, that you, sense, it technically still is. But none of the stuff on the internet is. I mean, it, it just gets forwarded and edited, and it goes on forever, and yeah, it never and, dies. And, well, and that's that's part, that's, the, that's part of the open nature. A lot of that is also illegal. It's, the, the problem is copyright is well ridiculous at this point. Well, but and, it is so expansive, so broad that I mean, really, it's it's a, it's one of those cases of technically everything is illegal. The only thing is no one's actually doing anything about it. Until you until you end up with that company that that some some lawyer uh, convinces them that may the possibility of a few dollar signs is worth more than their public perception. Well, I will I will actually challenge that piece, Toa. And there's there's two challenges to it, um, mainly on YouTube. Now, um, first of all, uh, Larry, to talk about the copyright piece, even this show has a copyright, but it's copyright under a, a wonderful internet concept called Creative Commons. It's Creative Commons uh, Open Attribution uh, Version 3.0 uh, Share and Share Like, which basically means share it, don't modify it, don't try to monetize it. Um, yeah, and and a lot of podcasts, a lot of digital media is created with that Creative Commons license. Uh, and there's a number of variants of it, um, but YouTube is where a lot of these people that are that are creating their their digital sparks. I mean, we've got a we we've got I think 13 videos on YouTube that I've recorded. Uh, I need to get back to uh, back to recording those. Um, 
Not while you're driving. Well, yeah, it'll, it'll be while I'm driving. It's just I've got to get a better uh, uh, That always scares them. Um, but let me weigh in on. No, no, let me let me let me finish real quick here. Let me finish real quick here, okay. Joseph, because the YouTube has recently and and YouTube's owned by Google, and there are certain issues with Google and politics. Um, YouTube has has been the home of the question, the content challenge for a number of years. Basically, if you know, this mainly affected reviewers, where they would be reviewing a product and they'd put them put up a fifteen second blurb of a product video, or they'd be reviewing a movie and they'd put up a fifteen second blurb from the movie that was on the trailer, uh, and the studio that created the movie would basically put in a complaint and YouTube would pull the video, which would of course pull the revenue for the video creator and then turn around. And if they had too many complaints, they'd shut down the YouTube account, which meant that all of the funds that that person had earned through advertising were held until it was um, clear uh, until a human could clarify it. Now YouTube has changed their, uh, their advertise their, their content requirements to allow advertising and i i would just say go and search for youtube advertiser content requirements let me let me just it's it's questionable opinions um harsh language political inference um any kind of violence or gore um and and a few other things and, you know, um, wait a minute. Wait wait a minute. I agree with what you're saying. But the whole point of what the Toll and I are saying if, is if you want gore and you can't get it on YouTube, there's 100,000 other websites where you can get it. YouTube's policies do not have the capability, and this is what's upsetting Kerry. YouTube's policy, I mean, they're powerful, but their policies do not have the capability to... to blot out a particular subject matter and 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 blind the american citizenry to the, whatever it is we're talking about True. it gets through now all the time True. and that's what's different they the, the, the they cannot control the narrative anymore certainly not in a reliable and predictable way no. anyway they, no yeah, but what they can, they can do what they can do is it, but, yeah. What they can do is they can they can prevent a revenue stream from people that are that are trying to use putting out their opinion as you know as a viable way of earning income. Yes, this is the big uh, YouTube controversy du jour. Yeah, most of the people most of the people out there aren't trying to make money. They're trying to make comment. They're trying to share their well, opinions, right, right, wrong, or nuts. And, and and making money is not their primary motive. Some people are out there to make money, but most of them know. Yes and no. Uh, the the issue coming up is that if you are a content creator, it's true that you may be doing it with the with the intent of spreading a message. But the fact that you can make money from it means that you don't have to spend as much time doing other things to make money. Right. So in this in this. In this way, uh, these changes, and it's up in the air whether or not these really are recent changes, I, although I think the fact that you're seeing a big hubbub about it now would tend to suggest that something has changed. Uh, it, it's probably a case of they, they put these, they technically wrote these into the terms of service a year ago, 
but they only just turned on the thing that's actually doing all the all the enforcement. Yeah. 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 And and you know, like Toa said, Larry, there are people that that do what we're doing 7 days a week and it is their form of income. And YouTube and even, if, it, even, if, even if it's not. Well, what is saying, even if it's not, even if it's just someone doing it for a couple hours a week, but that couple hours a week might be a couple hours that they can afford to take off of, of not working in however many jobs they have because they have a bit of extra income coming in. And if they don't have that, then they have to go work some at one of their part-time jobs or whatever. But, I mean, you get, you get what I'm, I'm saying. It's an economic, it's one of those let's, economic let, equations. Let, let's, let's look at a balance here. What would have happened to CBS back in Cronkite and Dan Rather's day if all of the advertisers had stopped paying them? Wouldn't be there. They would have folded. They would have gone away. What would happen to the uh, free-for-all that's called the the, uh, sharing of opinions on the Internet if nobody made any money at it? Um... It would, it, would, still, it, would, it would still be there it would, social it would media. Continue. It would continue. Yes, but you would also have your bright you know, your your Breitbarts, your Michelle Malkus, your you know, your sites that exist that are that are full on opinion presenting sites would cease I, I to agree. exist. My, my my point is the the the, the this free flow of information is no longer uh dependent for survival on money. Money's good, and a lot of people make money doing it. But if the money dried up, unlike the the times that John Kerry wants to go back to, if the money dried up, it would the, the whole thing would still continue, probably in modified form, maybe fewer participants, but it, it's no longer life-threatening to lose advertising revenue. People do it because they want to share their thoughts. Yeah, um, it also it's also worth bearing in mind that a lot of the content creators are not limited to YouTube's advertisements as their source of income. They can take uh, uh, deals with specific entities and put commercials into their own videos and whatnot. A lot of them have real. A lot of them have day jobs. That and they have Patreon and they have. Yeah, there is. Yeah. There, there are other things. Now, I'm going to say this. This is the first time I've ever uh, I've ever said this, but apparently Joseph is bored. Um, <clears throat> the reason that I went down the track of uh, of the YouTube conversation and it was was based upon John Kerry's original complaint actually wasn't about social media. It wasn't about internet news. It wasn't about YouTube. It was about the plethora of channels that are available for people. You don't want to hear. You don't want to watch the. Watch the president talk. You don't want to hear Walter Cronkite flip the freaking channel. There's, I mean, on the basic cable package, you've got 85 channels. Now, you may end up watching watching whales swim through the water singing a happy song, or you might end up watching somebody cooking or painting a happy tree. I had to get a Bob Ross reference there somehow. Oh, if only he wasn't dead. I know. That fro just wouldn't stop. Um, but... You know, it's the fact that that we now, 
through not just the internet, but also through the cable networks and through DVR and streaming media and, and, and Netflix. Okay, that's internet, but it's also now on smart TVs. You know, all of these things can distract the American public, you know, to the point of no end. And John Kerry was pissed that they couldn't say the president's talking at, at 7.30 tonight and... Uh, I, I can't remember. I don't remember if it was Jeff Foxworthy or, or which comedian it was, but he, but I remember the line, oh, my God, the president's on. We can't watch Flipper. He's on every channel. That was a, that, that was a comedian. That used, used to be like that. Yeah. So. I mean, even, even, even the Olympics can't do that anymore. No. The the. the 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 uh, conventions, the Republican and Democratic conventions, can't do that anymore. The debates can't it's, do it. Nobody has control of the flow of information like they did in the fifties mm-hmm. and sixties. Yep. In fairness, the debates aren't worth doing it now. Well, I'm not. You know, that's a separate. That's a tangent for sure. But yeah, l- l- let's move on. Yeah. Um, and, and Shauna pointed out that the American public has the attention span of a gnat. Um, that may be being smart generous. Nat. A, a smart, a smart nap. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's. That was John Kerry. Um, at, at the same time, his boss, President Obama, has has decided to commute the sentence of well, and this is the the latest action in this decision. Uh, Obama commuted harsh sentences for over one hundred inmates. Um, you know, another 111 federal inmates saw their prison sentences reduced by the Obama administration on Tuesday. Uh, the, the communications on top of 214 that were announced earlier this month bring the total since Obama took office to, to over 670, more than the past 10 presidents combined, according to the Department of Justice. This is more of the relaxation of federal drug laws. Um, the 325 pres- commutations the president has granted in just one month is more than any president granted in a single year for nearly a century, the White House added. Obama has focused on granting clemency for inmates convicted of nonviolent drug offenses and serving sentences that, if those same people were found guilty today, would not be as long. Um, they are individuals who recent- received unduly harsh sentences under outdated laws for committing largely nonviolent drug crimes. For example, the 35, um, where is this? For example, the 35 individuals whose life sentences were commuted today. Uh, the inmates have been con- convicted of offenses ranging from distributing to possessing narcotics such as cocaine and methamphetamine. Some are now set to be freed just before New Year's Day, although many will still be required to enroll in a drug treatment program. Yeah, the. Um, this one was interesting because, first of all, in, in order to qualify for the commutation, you have to have had a sentence that was 20 or more years. You must have served at least 10 of those years, and it had to be a federally issued sentence. Well, the, the last one actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure the last one was an automatic requirement because I don't think the president can commute non-federal sentences. Right. I, I add that as... as uh, that was, you know, there were people that had just been convicted at a state level three years that applied for this program because because the prison, the person in prison actually had to go through the application process, had to be screened by Department of Justice, 
um, have their case reviewed, and then determine whether or not they would be allowed to be uh, have their sentences commuted. I got questions. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, are we irate in any way about this? Nope. Nope. Uh, second question. Well, actually, actually, the only reason I would say that I might be a little irate about this is because this happens in September, August, September. And for some of these people, you know, you then turn around and look at what Governor Terry McAuliffe has done, allowing felons to vote at the, you know, in the the presidential election. Uh, Let's... there's Except they're not going to be out in time for that, and also there's, and there's two hundred of them. Yeah, two hundred people are not going to get change the presidential election. True. So Especially you know, they're if, not actually going to be if, released in time for it. Yeah, but, but the, if but we're the, not but irate about fa- this, on if we're not irate on this on principle, which I don't seem to hear, then we really don't have any reason to be irate about any of this unless we look at each individual case. Because I am sure in our unpolluted legal system that we really have never over-sentenced anybody. And so if we're going to be irate, we've got to go look at all of this. Uh, You know, very frankly, 200 guys getting set free sooner than expected, to me, is not uh, a major issue. And our history is replete with miscarriages of justice. Let's face it. I agree. And 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 deaths, uh, and life sentences for drug offense, nonviolent drug offenses, is a travesty. So I don't care that Obama's beating the record of everybody else. Uh, you know, we we also were setting records for the number of people we were incarcerating because of drug offenses. So, you know, the one goes in hand with the other. I'm not bothered by this at all. Uh, you know, the, the 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 voting aspect of it bothered me. The only thing, the only other thing that I kind of, and it's and it's not really even, you know, at at a full on intellectual level. But if you look at the timeline, these people would have been incarcerated. They had to have served at least ten years on their sentences. And so the drug laws that they're talking about were put in place during the Reagan administration or Bush 41, during the the height of the aforementioned war on drugs, which I know is going to set toe on a tailspin. Well, and the, well, and the three years, and the three strikes and the three strikes the three strikes law. Yeah, you know, yeah. three minor infractions meant you got put away forever. Yeah, that's another one. That's. There have been interesting, uh, interesting studies about that, questioning whether or not such laws may actually increase homicides. The idea being that if you're on your third strike, it is literally this, it is equal to kill the witness and maybe get away with it. Wow. You roll the dice. You roll the dice. Yeah. You know, I, it, I, it, I'm not sure what he's doing is fixing anything except for 200 people giving him a second chance. It doesn't bother me at all, particularly because these guys apparently generally don't have a violent past. Right. I really do have a problem with turning violent people loose back into the streets. But if their biggest crime was like the one guy, he was he was selling LSD. There's a lot of people who think that's a community service, 
and it really doesn't promote violence at all. It probably promotes welfare, but there are a lot other things you might chase that cause welfare other than LSD. True, true. <clears throat> yeah, and, and and you're right. You know the the legal system has a lot of has a lot of flaws. Um, you know there are there are organizations that that exist solely for the purpose of helping people that are behind bars that you know that that claim to have not committed the crime determine whether you know whether they can get them out of jail and um i, I remember hearing an article hearing a story earlier this week on a man that had been in prison 25 years that that his charges were or he, his his sentence was not even commuted it was dropped because they found they redid the 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 crime evidence crime scene evidence determined that there were there was additional dna that further implicated another individual that was at this point in time dead but there's one of those every week yeah i can i there, can point you to several yeah i mean it just it, 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 we we gave up on the old rule uh, that we were willing to accept ten innocent men in jail to make sure that one guilty guy didn't go free. Uh, and and you know it, that's finally begun to bear on our conscience, so we're trying to undo that. I mean, but it, it, in very seriously, particularly in certain jurisdictions, that was sort of the mode of operation. Oh, yeah. they, they they worried much less about innocent men going to jail than they did about guilty people going free. Yeah. Well, there, there's even more to it than that. I mean, the issue is, and I, I believe I've said this on this program before, cops don't get promotions based on the number of innocent people they don't arrest. Prosecutors don't get promotions based on the number of innocent people they don't convict. They they are they are judged by arrests and convictions, and if that is how they are judged, you are going to get arrests and convictions, and they'll fight tooth and nail to keep them, even in the in the face of definitive evidence contrary to it, because then it becomes a personal attack on them. I mean, you look at um, I'm blanking on her name. She was in in Massachusetts. Coakley. She's a horrible person, frankly, because of some of the stuff she's done in that regard. There there was a guy. She convicted of some sex crime. They've proven definitively he could not possibly have done it. The guy's dead, and she will not allow the conviction to be uh, reversed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she's more famous than many others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there there is, of course, the but it's, it's state's attorney in Baltimore. It's symptomatic. It's it's symptomatic of a system that is more interested in winning convictions than it is in actually. Finding the guilty. No. They and call, it's, they it's call also it, why they call you it have solved cases. Yeah, I mean it's not the conviction so much as solved cases, but it it adds up to the same thing. It's yeah. also why you end up with like ninety percent of cases ending in a plea deal because you'll have you'll have cases where they'll say, okay, we're going to charge you with this and 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 this, and it'll all add up to fifty years in prison, or you can take a plea deal and have six months. Something's wrong with that, but it's common. Oh yeah, it is. Oh yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they, they take the same act and they find twelve cr- crimes in it. They're, it's just not right. Yeah. 
and uh, especially at the federal level. Well, I'll I'll yeah. I'll I'll, ta- I'll give a give a, a tangential uh, example of what you guys are talking about here. Um, one of the uh, um, one of the on uh, oh, what was it? I think it was This American Life. This last week, they were talking about um, being thrown into the deep end and how the public defender's role um, in states, including Louisiana. <clears throat> If, if there are not enough public defenders available, they will be farmed out to the next person on the list on the state bar exam list. Yes, I, I heard that. There was a case in uh, Missouri recently where the public defender's office used a Missouri law basically saying that the public defender in times of overwork can call upon private lawyers yep. to do it. Yep. And, and it, he called upon the governor. Yep. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Because the governor, the the, the governor had uh, had uh, cut the funds to the state public defender budget, and so the head of the public defender board um, basically, you know, said, "Okay, your name's next on the list. Here's your case." Now, obviously, the the, the governor has has said, I, "I'm sorry, I cannot do that," but no other attorney can. So, in in the well, more accurately, a judge said to the public defender's office, "No, you can't do that." Well, yeah, that's, there's that too. Um, yeah, but the uh, but in the in the example story, it was in Louisiana in Caddo Parish, and um, the example that he gave was of this kid. There was a break in into a house, and whoever broke in left a ball cap, um, a cigarette butt, and something else, and took ran off with some electronics. Well, the ball cap had the DNA of this person in it, and um, he had had prior arrests, so they, they brought him in and they assigned this public defender. Well, the public defender they assigned was a personal injury attorney. Um, you know, one of those that their name's on the spine of the phone book. Uh, um, so the, it, while they're talking about the story, you know, the guy, the, the defendant, the, the person who was accused of the crime said, I want to take a plea deal. And um, he, they, they, they said, well, the reason that he wanted to take a plea deal was because in Caddo Parish, the if you if you took a a case to trial, the chances of being convicted were high, and the sentences were extreme. They sentenced a 14 year old boy who had been who had been convicted of breaking into a house, stealing a soda or, or a pop, a Coke, Diet Coke, whatever, and a hot pocket and eating them sentenced the kid to seven years in prison. Sounds like Le Miserable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so they, the, the ending was, was good because the, the uh, public, of the, uh, the DA, the assistant DA, actually walked in and said, I'm dropping the charges because it turned out that he hadn't even read the case file until the weekend before and realized that the case was non-existent against against the defendant but they you know it, it was it, the system is is in multiple multiple ways uh horribly in, broken uh, horribly broken it's it's it does work in other ways um and in some cases in the same office or in the same, you know, out of the same county or the same state. So it, you can't draw gross generalizations um, all the time. It's both, which is kind of frustrating. Oh, 
So, so we've talked about two heroes on the left. Let's talk about the hero of some on the right. And, and, I, and I say some because there are those that will never claim this hero. And that is Donald Trump. Very interesting um, quote came out during his visit to a black church in Detroit. Uh, Donald Trope, Do- Donald Trope, Trump, wow, there's a Freudian slip, spoke to members of the Great Faith Ministries, a non-denominational church in Detroit. <clears throat> and he, he said something that, that I wish got picked up on more. He walked in and he said, um, Trump told the audience he was there to listen to your message and said he hoped his appearance would also help your voice to reach new audiences in our country. He said he would lay out his plans for economic change and school choice, issues that he said would benefit black communities in the future. When I see wages falling, people out of work, I know the hardships this inflicts, and I am determined to do something about it. I will do something about it. I do get things done. I will tell you, I'm going to get things done. Um... He said, we, we talk past each other and not to each other, and those who seek office do not do enough to step into the community and learn what's going on. I'm here today to learn so that we can re- together remedy injustice in any form and so that we can also remedy economics so the African-American community can benefit economically through jobs and income and so many other different ways. Those aren't bad things. Those aren't bad things that he said. Oh, I mean, he um, he is trying to get the attention of the black community, mm-hmm. and he's saying the right stuff. Yeah. I think uh, yeah. none of it's bad. <laughs> um, they're they're cheering in, in Second Life. Um, you know, I, <laughs> they like they like Trump. They think Trump's a hero. By the way, some of us do. Yeah, and. You, it, you you implied that he didn't qualify as a hero, at least to you. No, I said well, there. I said there are some that don't call him that. Well, we call him that. I do. Yeah, speak for yourself. I am. Well, I, and, 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 and and you know you. what? Well, you know what? The, Here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's the that's the beauty of a this show and b our our, our system because you know we don't always agree, even though for the most part we agree. On on the on core things, we don't have to agree about everything. I'm still on the fence about him. I mean, hearing words like this from him make me feel better about the concept of uh, of Trump. You know, voting for Trump in in November. It's, it was that way, one way or another. I mean, I'm not going to hide that fact, and we'll talk about that in a couple. But uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, that in a couple of minutes. But <clears throat> you know, and, and then you've got you know people like. Tattered flag and talk shoes, saying that um, you know you mainstream flag wavers make me sick. The USA stinks. Okay, great. That's your opinion. It sucks, and I have the right to say that your opinion sucks, just like you have the right to say my opinion makes you sick. It's it's that way, you know. I'm I, the last article in the list, which we're not going to get to due, due to limitations of time. Are, is is talking about you know the thing that happened in the NFL and standing up for the national anthem, and so many of my fellow veterans said you know he's an he's an idiot and a jerk for saying it and doing it, but I fought to defend his right to be an idiot and a jerk. On the other hand, um, you know if he had if he had done this on a street corner someplace in a public <laughs> forum, he probably I, I would have gotten said, jumped. 
Well, no, but it, but he would have been fully within his rights. Yes, uh, and what he did was—I I don't think that's true. He used a commercially purchased opportunity by his employers to push his personal political beliefs, and he probably potentially inflicted financial harm on his employers. So I don't think. Uh, those are equivalent. This is not so much a free speech issue as uh, abiding by the terms of employment. If he worked for me, he'd probably be looking for another job. And if he gets and fired, if, that's a consequence well of it. Yeah, it's well within the NFL's rights. I'm, what I'm saying, though, is if he was just some random guy on the street, he could have done that, and no one would ever have heard of him. So well, I'm, I'm not saying that, random well, guy. The if the, if the famous, this famous guy had gone out and, and called the press and said, I'm going to do this uh, uh, in a public area, then then there's no complaints. You know, you can agree or disagree with his opinion, but he has every right to use a public venue to express himself on whatever he wants to express himself. It, and he, he still would have gotten less coverage. He, but, but the, he used the, the opportunity some, provided to somebody, him. Somebody bought that time. Somebody paid for the cameras there. He didn't do that. He was abusing his employment to push his personal opinions, and that's not right. Well, perhaps, he, but I would, I would, I would right, submit that that is see, the, the is, NFL is, to decide, not for you or I. Exactly, and that's that. We're that, talking quite about opinions. I can no, decide no. any opinion I want. Yes, but here's I, the, here's I don't the have thing, any Larry. power to implement my opinion, but I can hold an opinion, and true. I don't need NFL's permission to to approve my opinion. True, true, and and you know the the ramifications against that player are going to be made by the NFL. And by Roger Goodell, you know, and, and and honestly, I think he's going to end up a lot like Hillary Clinton, where a record number of Americans dislike him, and that is absolutely valid and real. Sorry, I had to get to the next article. All right, go ahead. So, um, Hillary Clinton's image, much like this football player's, I can't even remember his name right now, um, is Eric. Is at its lowest point with Americans in her 25 years of public service, according to a new poll. 56% of U.S. adults view the Democratic presidential nominee unfavorably in the Washington Poll ABC News survey released Wednesday. 41% go see her. Uh, 41% see her favorably. July's edition of the same poll had Clinton earning 40, earning a 42% favorability rating. Clinton's previous benchmark for unfavorability was 55% in June's version of the survey. Wednesday's results found that Donald Trump, the Republican presidential nominee, remains even more unpopular. 63% view Trump unfavorably, while 35% consider the real estate tycoon positively. Now, that was from, from 1,020 adults via cell and landline telephone from August 24th to August 28th and has a margin of error of three and a half percentage points. I, I, I just want to mention something here. A poll that has a margin of error of three and a half percentage points, is that normal? That's actually better than normal. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I thought it was closer to plus or it, minus it's one. Not an, nah. You have to get really big to get that. It's like 5% is kind of common. 
<coughs> yeah, I mean, to me, hearing of a poll that has a point that has a something and a half percent is a little unusual, but it's not like the 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 fact that that's, it is three and a half that, percent that, that requires poll, polling off fifty percent of the population if you want to get that close. I didn't. No, I didn't say that half it percent. had three and a half percent. Yeah, three point. What I'm saying is like you're, it's more common to hear something like three percent or five percent. The fact that they said three and a half percent to me is a little unusual, but it's not. It is by no means a a um, unreasonable number. Somebody said a half percent. Three point five and four point five are the gold standards in polling. Anything above that is considered junk. So if there's a 3.5% margin of error in this polling, it is pretty much legitimate. Well, it's, it's as good as it gets, because to get that next half percent, you've got to double your sample size. Exactly. And it, and it goes up exponentially. Okay. So, so those, right. those are our two presidential nominees. Um, the, but honestly, you know, there's there's... It's going to be a very odd election because we have, you know, not an incumbent running for the White House can't, which is good. Um, but his, but the the Democrat is is definitely a, no, a known name. We've got Donald Trump, who's running on the Republican side, who is trying to buck the system. And if Florida or Arizona are any indications, um, it's going to be odd. Um, it's not going to be odd because you have the Democratic nominee who is as popular as Herpes, and you have a Republican who most of his base and most of his voters have not been surveyed because they don't fit the mantra of the typical American voter. This is going to be an early night come election, and I can promise you that. Because the woman who decides that she's going to wear a $12,000 um, suit that was, that was um, once a sofa has no real ties to what it is to be American. Just like your football player, who is, just like Hillary, a limousine liberal who was given everything at such an early age, never had to figure out the plight of living in the projects. Now, they may have driven by the projects, the interstate, but they have no idea what, what life is really like there. And people are correlating the fact that Hillary has not driven a car in 25 years. Hillary has servants. And I repeat that. Hillary has servants. So does Donald Trump, though. Oh, yeah. But so does Donald Trump. But Donald Trump doesn't preach that he is for the everyman. There's no no pretense that he doesn't. That's true. But Hillary and the Democrat Party has put forth the mantra over the last 75 years that they are for the little people. Well, the little people... To look up and see the limousine passing. Yeah, and it's the same with this football player because he's never had to live in poverty. No, he met a no. girl. And that's it. And I, yeah. let's let's. So. Can I raise one question about one of the last articles? Yeah, and then then we've got to wrap up. Go ahead. All right. The the obese patients and smokers banned for routine surgery. Apparently, this is in the UK. Yes. Uh, by the National Health Service. Yes. It, it raise it raises a good question. To what degree is society responsible for caring for the consequences of individual bad behavior? If a guy drives around without a helmet on a motorcycle and incurs injuries way ahead of expectations in a motorcycle accident, do we owe that guy 
uh, all the all the health care benefits of somebody who obeyed the law and wore a helmet. I'm not going to answer it, but it's a good question. I, I don't. Similar. I think it's actually quite an interesting one, given that uh, the institution of helmet laws has actually had quite the deleterious effect on the organ donation market, and this is this has been studied that you have that's these a, mandatory that, helmets that's go. That's not not related. That's not related. I'm talking about the cost of injuries. Well, you're, you're, you're throwing a new subject in here. Yeah. Should, yeah, I'll should we? That, should we? Should we cover smokers uh, as as uh, thoroughly as we cover non-smokers? Well, who yeah, have, we, uh, we shouldn't more. be covering anybody, we being the government. I mean, but look, the, the point is, I think the point in this is, yeah, you look at, at people who are obese or who smoke, and society looks down upon them, and not judging whether or not that's good or not, but when you take that into... The context of government-funded health care, what it's saying is if you are a member of some group that, the, that society looks down upon, you're, you're not going to be able to get health care. Well, and, 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 you're and a, couple of, a couple of things that I'll point out here, because I, I do, we do need to wrap up the show. Um, first of all, you're right, Larry, the, um, the, the obese patients article is referring to health care in the UK, which is government-funded. It is not, you know, they're, they're talking about the national, the, the NHS, the national health system. And they're talking about, for obese, they're talking about people with a BMI of 30 or above. Um, well, the, the, the point is, in the United States, even without national health care, uh, insurance companies tend to charge higher premiums to people who are obese or who smoke. Right. Uh, it, it's it, perfectly the more you, that. But this restriction yeah, the, only applies... The more you smoke, the, the more you smoke the less likely you are to get health insurance. Now, I'm fine with that, too, but a lot of people aren't. You know, they say that's not how insurance is supposed to work. Insurance is supposed to be a level playing field where the people who do do not live cautiously uh, get to pay the same amount as people who do live cautiously. And I raise it as a question to ponder not to answer it this on this show because we don't have nearly enough time left. Those are the people yeah. that think healthcare is a right and as opposed to a good, which like, healthcare is a good and service. It is not a right. Well, there and, are no positive in case, rights. In this case, they're talking about again. They're talking about England. Um, the other thing is is that for all the furor that this could raise, this is they're specifically talking about hip and knee replacement surgeries. So anyway, um, with that, we've got to wrap things up. I want to thank everybody for being a part of the call, both in TalkShoe and in Second Life. Um, Whether you agreed with us or disagreed with us, I hope you had a fun time. Um, If you liked what you heard, we ask you to blog about us. Tell five of your friends. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash frontporchpoliticaltalk. Uh, or uh, follow us on Twitter at EC Conservative. Uh, if you did not like what you heard, uh, first of, or if you did like it, you, you can um, email comments to conservativepodcast at gmail dot com. But uh, if you didn't like what you heard, you know what? We're we're going to invite you along with everybody else to join us again next week, where you will probably hear different words in a different order. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Have a great night. Good night, Chuck. Why are the taxpayers accountable for thirty seconds of bad sex? <laughs>